Maybe I could be like an announcer, like a columnist. I don't believe what I just saw. You know how I always make those interesting comments during the game? Personally, I think we got hosed on that call. Yeah, yeah, you make good comments. So what about that? Well, you know, they tend to give those jobs to ex-ball players and people that are, you know, in broadcast. How about a talk show host? This is In the Booth. Talk show host, that's good. <laughs> I think I'd be good at that. I talk to people all the time. With Matt Park. In the Booth for the final time this season. Good to have you along with us as we talk sports with you. You can join us by phone if you'd like at 437 437- 7644. That's 3154 ESPN 44. Seth and his uh, Sports Center update gave you a whole list of things you can do. You can go out to the Crunch game tonight. You can go to the Comets game. And uh, lots of good stuff happening there. Or you can sit on your keister and watch basketball. And that's what a lot of us uh, do at this time of year as well. One really good game last night Purdue and Tennessee. Purdue had an 18-point lead, gave it all back. Tennessee had a 14-0 run to tie the game in the second half. That one went to overtime, and the Boilers won it 99-94 to advance to the Elite Eight. Virginia and Oregon are the only other close game, really, as uh, Virginia put the clamps on the Ducks to win that one 53-49. Teams don't often score even 50 against Virginia and hard to win when you do that. So the Hoos are now 32 and three and a game away from that elusive final four. It'd be interesting to see the matchup they will have against Purdue's a bigger team. Purdue's got a couple of shooters. Carson Edwards, the big 10 record for three pointers made this season. And Ryan Klein, who was just out of his mind, uh, particularly in the second half, a shot making stretch there. Uh, for Purdue against Tennessee. Yesterday, Klein had uh, 27 points in the game, seven three-pointers. Texas Tech put an absolute stranglehold on Michigan. Uh, two good defensive teams, and uh, John Beeline's team bows out that way as uh, Patrick Beeline uh, ascends to the head job at uh, Niagara. And I know uh, Seth uh, visited with the younger coach, Beeline, and that's been uh, a story certainly people in this community have uh, gotten behind. Tonight, another slate of four games, including a heavy uh, ACC tinge. Duke and Virginia Tech, in fact, will play an ACC matchup in the Sweet 16 as they play in D.C. I think you'll see a Virginia Tech team that's fired up, that uh, Coach Buzz Williams gets the most out of. The difference between this matchup and the regular season game, which Virginia Tech won, is that both teams have backed their best player. Virginia Tech with uh, Justin Robinson, who has played the two games of the tournament so far after uh, missing really a a month plus. And then uh, Duke with Zion Williamson, who missed five games and then got it going uh, in the uh, postseason. So that should be a really good one tonight. That is uh, a nine slated right now for a 9.39-9.40 start. These games typically tip off after um, their published times in terms of the the later games. So uh, last night's Last game, the uh, Virginia-Oregon went way into the evening, and uh, Houston and Kentucky is the very last game tonight. I would imagine Kentucky will dispatch of Houston pretty easily, but uh, Houston's only lost three games this year for a reason. North Carolina-Auburn is another game uh, to keep an eye on. Should be a run-and-gun showdown there. We'll see if Auburn has enough staying power to hang with Carolina. Bet Carolina wins that one uh, by uh, double digits, I would even guess, maybe in that one. The, the line is... Carolina five and a half, and then Minnesota, or Michigan State and uh, LSU, another one that figures to be good, but I 
would guess LSU's stretch here will run out. It's pretty good toll to go this far without your head coach and to uh, rally uh, the way that they have so far has been good to get, obviously, to the Sweet 16 with a very talented lineup. And uh, we'll see what they have left in the tank that game uh, tonight in D.C. as well. In fact, that starts the action 7 o'clock for the first game of the evening. We're going to have Daniel Baldwin on the show. Why? Why not? Daniel, uh, a new award-winning broadcaster, the Daniel Baldwin Show. We'll talk to him about that and really a bunch of other nonsense uh, when he joins us here coming up on the, the show and get his thoughts on the tournament and the Syracuse basketball community uh, and all of that quickly. We've got uh, Tommy and Danny alongside for the uh, last show of the season. And, boys, it's funny. It's like a little tease, right? We had daytime baseball yesterday to start the major league season, and now uh, nothing today. And I feel like it's been I've, I'm already going through baseball withdrawals. I kind of I get used to daytime baseball on the screen. Exactly, that's the issue with the day off after opening day. They give all the northern teams the, the second day of the season off. A little buffer in case, there in case there's a rain out. Exactly, yeah. Matt. I got a question about that Tennessee Purdue game. Admiral Schofield, he was the one going against Ryan Klein. They were going back and forth a little bit. Is Admiral Schofield one of the best names you've heard in college basketball? It's a good name. There's a lot it's of good. There. I mean, you could go all day on on good names, but that's a good one. And his brother, who played at uh, Wisconsin, is O'Brien Schofield. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's it's, great. It's one thing to have two uh, last names, but uh, O'Brien, you're not going to run into a lot of uh, people who, for whom that's their first name. Uh, but that's a good one. Um, you know, Tennessee's a good good team there, and well-coached Rick Barnes, but that strategy for them didn't work out at the end. That was uh, an unusual ending to the game. It hit on something that we... Uh, dealt with on Twitter yesterday, Steve Lapis uh, threw out something we've thought for a long time too, but Steve Lapis put it out on on Twitter in the morning that these replays, in some of these cases, the replays are just to be sure or let's be safe. There's some needless replays. We know that replay takes too long. Replay also gives timeouts to teams that don't have it in some cases, and that's what happened last night in the Purdue-Tennessee game. Tennessee had a timeout. Purdue did not. There was a replay for a baseline out-of-bounds call, it was actually whistled by uh, DJ Karstensen, who's from Utica, and he got the call right. I don't know if they originally went to the monitor for the out-of-bounds, which wasn't disputed by Tennessee, or maybe a clock issue. They wound up putting .2 seconds on the clock, so now it's 2.7. Then the shot that everybody's talking about with another local referee, Jeff Anderson from Rochester, makes the call on the Carson Edwards shot where he gets fouled. He goes to the line. He makes two out of three. And uh, then Tennessee, in a last-ditch effort in a tie game in regulation, 1.7 seconds left, they decide we're going to call timeout when we have the ball on the front court. And in the NBA, you could burn your timeout right there and advance it. And not everybody loves that rule, but at least the reason you have that rule is to give teams in that position a fighting chance to get a quality shot at the end, it's a little bit of a bonus. It sort of uh, seeds their opportunity to get uh, a quality shot late in uh, in a period like that. And in this case, I think what he was trying to do is let's get it into the front court, so at least we could maybe lob it to the rim, you know. But it just didn't have enough time to do what he was trying to do. They took two passes to get in the front court. They call timeout. Now they review for the clock and they say, no, we can't put any more time on. It's only .1 second. So they got nothing at the end of regulation. Then Purdue went on to uh, to win it in overtime. So uh, at least we have compelling game, you know, close games. And that one wasn't close for 
a big majority of it. There's been a bunch of huge. I will say that about the tournament. There haven't been a lot of buzzer beaters or upsets or you know real nail biting finishes. There's been a, a couple, but what there have been is 15, 18, 25 point comebacks. 25 points is the most ever, right? And who was it just the other day? There was one uh, from from 25 down to come back uh, to tie the game. But the idea of 18 down last night, Tennessee against uh, Purdue, and they came back to uh, knot it up. I'll bet tonight's games don't have those kinds of swings. Uh, sometimes you can tell when there's an opportunity for a comeback, and, and, and sometimes there's not. I never felt in the Texas Tech-Michigan game, for example, that Michigan had any chance to come back. They weren't making any shots. And when points were at a premium as much as they were in that game, to think somebody's going to come from 21 down to do it is pretty uh, far-fetched. At any rate, that's uh, how we get things going today. We'll be back with uh, Daniel Baldwin. Your phone call is certainly welcome if you'd like to sneak one in at the tail end of the program. 4 ESPN 44-437-7644 gets you on the show. It's in the booth, brought to you by CH Insurance and Burdick Lexus on ESPN Radio. This is In the Booth, presented by CH Insurance, in your corner. Well, welcome back, everybody. It is the uh, final show of the season, as far as we're concerned, here uh, in the booth. Brought to you, as always, by CH Insurance and Burdick Lexus. The sponsors are still important, whether it's the first show or the last show. And we thought we would just uh, chill out a little bit and goof around with our friend uh, Daniel Baldwin of the Daniel Baldwin Show, the award-winning Daniel Baldwin <laughs> show, we are told. And uh, good to see you, man. And w- what is this award all about? I know you guys have spent a lot of time working on your uh, acceptance speeches, but I-, I didn't even hear who was giving the award. So uh, evidently, unbeknownst to me, I mean, you're... Uh, and congratulations. Far, thank you. You're far more savvy than I am to do with radio. Uh, and, and I get this notification that, hey, do you want us to enter your show into the New York State middle market, blah, blah, blah. And I said, yeah, whatever, whatever you're going to do. If it's good for the station, it's good for the show, do it. So they cut together a reel, and I and, 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 they, and I was asked for no input. The only thing I said is, well, I would do the thing that's the most rare about my show. Throw in a segment with Alec. Throw in a segment with Daryl Strawberry. Throw, you know, use big names if there's any good stuff. Lebitard, whatever. Elmira and, can't compete with and, that. Come on, right? You know, so squash them when you can. <laughs> uh, and, and, so they, and unbeknownst to me, Josh... One morning show, and I won best radio show in New York State. But I don't know whether, and that wasn't, I don't think that was sports. Well, it was just the best show. Now, the way they do it is they, and it's the New York State radio, television, something, something, artists, whatever. I, I don't know how obscure this really is. They take all of the uh, admissions and they send them to multiple other cities for people on their board or in their society, or whatever, is to listen to these so they don't know anyone. Well, that was the advantage I had because you know they're going to probably know who Paulie Shore is, or they're going to probably know. So I tried to big dong him, and sure enough, it won. It won. Uh, tell me what I got for that. You win a free pencil. <laughs> ding, 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 ding. I didn't even get a congratulations. Nothing from anyone. When I first heard about it, somebody when they spit out the name of the organization, the first bell that rang in my head was, "Isn't that headed up by the?" Dude in the corner office that drives Alexis. He's uh, uh, Ed Levine is on the board of this organization in the radio, but it did it wasn't judged by people that were here. It was sent to so he justified it by saying no one knows that where it was sent. We went to Minnesota, like St. Paul, oh, gotcha. and we went to and so St. Paul for their awards sends it to Ohio and so or whatever. So that it's not sense. anyone that listens to our show. So that's how they justify it cleaning up. Actually. You know, I, I dipped deep into the bank account to try to make this happen. I was bribing everybody. It was great. And it worked. 
stuffed the ballot box vote uh, early and often. And, <laughs> right. uh, and there was Russian you. collusion. Con- congratulations. Well, no doubt your uh, rates here get escalated and oh, the parking space that you could have and that type of thing. You know that months ago I was told not to park in a certain spot, and so I haven't, but I've monitored that spot on a pretty da- close to daily basis, and there's very rarely anybody in it. I was given I par- the first month I worked here. I bought the little parking stub thing out of the machine out there, and what? so and I was I, I was, know what that is the the, the you pay for parking oh, across the, the street. Yeah, the little box you got to put yeah. your credit card in. But so I'm parking in front of the building, paying. You know, I'm, I was here doing doing the show, and you know, not a big deal. It was two dollars and fifty cents a day or whatever it was, and I got into my first month. You know, twenty days of doing that, and I finally went to the front desk and I said. You know, I noticed other people get to put a little card in front of that. I mean, I'm on a show. Do I do I not get there? Oh, let me put in a request. Right. Another two weeks went by, and then finally I got the card. So I get the card, and I'm parking around. You know, I see where Mike parks, and I see where Carrie parks. So I'm trying to find a slot. I don't want to park in that thing because I have a big, long truck. So I find my spot. Now they rented the upstairs. So there's 15 more vehicles in the parking lot now, and I, I'm, I'm exiled to under the train tracks yeah, sure. with the homeless people. and That yeah, could be, be problematic. but uh, It's beautiful. You know, I think with you, see, I think the difference is the people that you listed, Mike and Carrie, they are uh, revenue generators. You know, we're, we're revenue spenders. <coughs> well, I, I here's something, really here's something that I haven't, and I haven't had that time that we, you and I have talked. Yeah. Um, uh, a mutual respect. I listen to your show. Sorry I know that. that when I want to go for uh, a fact-finding mission or to learn uh, without a lot of hyperbole and nonsense just what's going on, I can ask you. And so I'm going to ask you this. I have not figured out a way, and I realize I'm not the greatest radio guy. I'm still learning, and I want to keep learning and growing. But I have not figured out a way in the Syracuse market to monetize my presence here. And as an actor... Who's not, I get it, I'm not Alec, and I'm not this one, that one, but I've done 140 films, I've been on five TV series, my last name's still pretty well known, and and I have not figured out in this market how to turn this, have you ever contemplated taking your radio show and making it into television, or podcasting it more, or doing something different, or is it, (coughs) pardon me, is there not? Well there, you could have a cold medicine sponsor. I could, see? You have to demonstrate a need. Uh, you know, I haven't. You're way more savvy. We should partner. You're 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 savvier on that stuff than I would care to be. The the uh, that concept is not really part of what I do. It, not that I, it couldn't be, but let's work on you. You got the brand name. We can get you out there. I think if you just did an hour of Chevy Chase stories alone, see that's that's what I'm here for. That, you want to hear the big stories? Yeah, I like that stuff. See, I, and and there is that's a that's more of a non-sports show right that's more of and i've and i've contemplated you can kind in, of split in, the difference well i've contemplated in this market um i'm doing a one-man show you know going in and telling like two funny baldwin family stories when we were kids yeah. then branching into when i left the roost and becoming an actor in new york city and then tell two more really funny 10-minute stories that have happened to me on sets with acting. And, of course, I'd be remiss not to mention my struggles and my getting sober and what you I do, do that now. across and the street at the Red House, like a little, little facility like I, that. You know, I did. I thought about the Red House, and then I thought about maybe it's better as like a one-weekend night at like a Del Lago or Turning Stone in their yeah, theater, yeah. you know, something like that. Or the Red, Red House has already said they'll do it. Um, 
I'm not sure yet. Because I think if you go to one of the casinos, you bring in a wider ranging audience than going to the Red House. The Red House would be probably more of a Syracuse-based thing. Um, but I, I, I've contemplated doing that. I think the money, and I, and, and when, when I sit in the studio for two hours a day, I always look at um, what content you get for free. And so having a camera that's a wide shot on Josh, Pulley, and I, and then a single on each one of them is free. You just mount the camera. We're already in there. And then if I wrote stories, you know, like today we're going to go to Pauly's house and we're going to help him move. Now, the fact that I don't have two people with cameras, you, you don't have to write the that. The comedy takes care of itself. It, it, and it's it, better than fart jokes. I mean, for sure. Paul, those guys, they bring you down. Listen, there there are things logic-wise yeah. about human behavior. I, I took my first trip with Paulie down to the Duke game. Right. And okay. so we're driving into the Duke game. And you Paulie did it go, voluntarily. I, I do it because it's our job. <laughs> you do it because you're... But, wait, but, but here's... So, hey, hey, we're going to stop. I'm listening to my phone or whatever with a headset on. He said, we're going to stop at, you know, Belltree Cove. And we're going to go to the Burger King there. And he's warning me this like 30 miles away from it. And I looked at him and I went, okay. And I, I said, because that's the best of the 94 Burger Kings yeah. we're going to pass. He's, like, ne- he's never, and I know what Polly eats on the road because by the time he picks us up on game day, all the wrappers are on the floor. So you can tell. And it's never anything other than your most mainstream fast food $8 value meals. But the fascination with this was I see a sign a minute afterwards, so we've only gone a mile, and it says Belltree. 29 and I looked at him and I went do you always go to Belltree you go every time I go so he has a Burger King or one of three fast food places and I said I'm fascinated by this why would we stop at this particular he goes well it's a really great s- point in time that I've been in the car to get out and stretch and have something to eat and I went but you wouldn't go one more exit to Dominio the township in Pennsylvania, you go to Belltree every time. I, I find that is he on like a frequent flyer program there where they they know his name? Is and, there a hot and, manager there yeah. that you flirt with? That you know is there is there so you have a cousin from there you spent time and there's some reason why you're endeared? No, there's no logic to it at all. Now here's another one. This was my favorite one that I have on film. Paulie left his door ajar, so it's clicked closed, but it's not fully closed, right? And we see this thing is going dee dee like uh, this light's flashing on the, the door light, but it's not every time because it's rattling back and forth, turning it on and off. And he goes, "Oh man, I think my door is open." So I said, "Well, click it open and slam it." We're on the highway, and he goes, "I'm not opening my door." And I went, so I opened my door two inches and I slam it. I go, he goes, "What are you doing?" And as soon as I opened my door, it sucked his door out, sure, so that we wanted to open, and he was absolutely convinced. So I continued to open and close the door on the highway to be him off like 26 times and he was convinced he was going to get sucked out of the car and killed on the highway to the point where he pulled over on the highway opened the door and closed it but he wouldn't do it while he was doing 60 and i thought have i never not been in a car that i watched somebody else do that and knew that it, it's listen there's a show in it well the problem is you're hanging your hat on paulie you know and there's a lot going on there uh you probably could make a whole sitcom about him um, do you think it would turn people off? You know, that's the, because, it, and it's funny, rare is a time that I side with Polly. I don't think I'd be opening my door at 60, but I would maybe ease over and slow down to 45 and do right. it like, 
And I also know if you're opening two inches and you're you're not going to be sucked out of the car. Right, right. But uh, all right, Daniel Baldwin's our guest. The reason we really wanted to have on Daniel just to have a fun Friday here to wrap the show. Want to get into some of the uh, big picture items, these types of things. We're going to find a way to make Daniel a buck. And we are passing the time today in the heart of a really great time to be a, a sports fan. We'll be back with Daniel Baldwin as we continue In the Booth on ESPN Radio. This is In the Booth, presented by CH Insurance, in your corner. Back with Daniel Baldwin as we continue In the Booth on ESPN Radio, brought to you as always by CH Insurance and Burdick, Lexus, and Cicero. We appreciate uh, their support throughout the, the season. Uh, last show uh, for the time being for now. We'll see you maybe back in uh, August. I uh, thought we'd have Daniel Baldwin on. Literally, I said, well, maybe I'll write down a couple of notes. to, And I turned over my paycheck, which I just picked up uh, today. And I, I, wrote, like I wrote DB with a line under it. And that's about as far as I got. That's so, as far as you got in the notes? Yeah. So, um, well, it's really all about me right now, isn't it? Well, it is. But <laughs> my, my appreciation for you, Daniel, is that you the broad strokes. You have a different viewpoint. You know, I'm grinding on what is uh, Tyus Battle's left-handed shooting percentage on Wednesdays. And you got the bigger picture. So I, I want you've been at this radio thing here in our town for a couple of years, and I wondered what uh, big picture observations you had about the community's uh, infatuations with the program and, and where things are headed. What do you think? You know, I have uh, I, I've had to alter my perception of what I've done to be successful coming out of an LA and New York market. So take radio for instance. All I know in radio is Howard. I've been on Howard's show, called in 50, 100 times. I've been on his show. My brother Stephen had his bachelor party. The Baldwin family has a long-running so legacy with Howard. And, and from the very beginning in New York all the way through his, you know, until he went to Sirius. Alec was on yesterday, long guest of uh, on Howard's. Um, but, and the point of it was, uh, so um, Joe Salzone comes walking into the room and he's doing the board and I made him Larry Dickman and I, I developed the character. It's more, uh, Stuttering John was a guy who worked in the mailroom who had a stutter that Howard thought was funny. It was more material for Howard to go off of. It didn't really matter what they did. Um, that's on the not, premise that if it was interesting to him, it was interesting to the audience. And, 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 that, and that looking at Neil Boddicker and calling him Forrest Gump because he does talk a little like this and making that character and bringing it to life gave me material. That's the thing that people are missing. So Ed, Ed Levine, the great one in his infinite wisdom said, you know, you don't want to give Paulie too much. You want to, you, you know, because you know, you know, he's not somebody you want. I said, you know, you're missing it. Letting Paulie say one sentence gives me four minutes to riff on because I'm going to be creative and have that. So I was more about the characters. When I want to learn about SU and their chances and the numbers and analysis, then I listen to you and Axe. You know, I mean, <laughs> I mean, obviously, I'm turning around and doing stuff about why my wife is wearing a negligee, sending me selfies from upstairs while I'm watching Monday Night Football, and then I go up the stairs because I take the bait, and she's wrapped up in four blankets with the game <laughs> on, and she looks at me and she goes, "I knew you'd come up." And I looked at her and went, "Are you kidding me? You set me up like that?" And she goes, "I don't want you to. I want to fall asleep alone." So I'm talking to, to husbands about, "Do you get a hard time watching?" Now I don't think that's stereotypical Syracuse radio on in sports, but it's, it's sports enough though for me. It, 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 it is a part of it's a yeah. part of the reality of you know when you want to go out with the boys and play poker when you want. I'm talking about that kind of stuff, and I'm and I'm letting people have it left and right. One of the things I I didn't know, uh, you know, and I didn't expect was. 
you know, there's certain things you don't do being in a Syracuse market, particularly like I, I, I got a criticism from one of the coaches. I won't say who was a guest and it got back to me. He said, he said that uh, Chuku is never going to play in the NBA. I go, why would he say that when I'm on the radio with him? And I went, well, because I don't think Chuku's going to play in the NBA. I, he might have at 7-2 playing, and unless he really does something to develop a shot, he's probably never going to, even at 7-2, not going to play in the NBA. He's not going to get drafted. And then today, Tyus made his official announcement, and he wrote this lovely letter about the fans and everything else, and I said, you know, i got to tell you something. If Tyus Battle does not go to those scrimmages and shoot some threes and hit a higher percentage of shots, He's not going to the NBA either right now. And now O'Shea Brissett announces that he's going. O'Shea Brissett as a freshman had a better chance to go to the NBA. What he did, his stock fell. Yeah. And so no, I, I heard you on that this morning, and, and I, I think those are fascinating topics. It's one of the reasons that sparked the idea to have you. I didn't really think we would have a poly tribute show today. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So we, we can set that aside, which is good, and we can go a couple minutes on this. Here's my observation on all of that. You have to go through this process to take your shot at the NBA. There's no shame in being almost an NBA player right, is the way right. I look at it. And I, you know, if you want to say on the air with a coach president or not president that you don't think Pascal Chuku is going to make the NBA, I don't think that's outlandish in the slightest. I, he, you know, typically NBA players dominate even for small stretches in college. And you can tell there are a few, I'm sure, NBA players that were not standout college players, but not many. And yes, he's seven two, and there's only a handful of seven two people, so he'll be given every chance. But it's not probable that he's an NBA player. My deal with Tyus Battle is anybody. We'd all love to have him on the team next year. He's one of my sure. favorite players yeah. ever, and he's you know clutch and productive and all those things. He wants to be a professional basketball player. Yeah, and now is the time to take a shot at doing that. The whole concept, and I heard you say this morning that O'Shea Brissett isn't isn't ready and I'm not disputing that they don't only draft ready players right I and get it the the so it's an opportunity for him I was thinking kind of pulling in today it's not and I granted it's on a much larger scale in terms of the number of people he's just going to a job interview to, to feel it out when Johnny pre-law takes the PSATs or <laughs> right. whatever Nobody views that as a big news item. He's basically just kind of checking where do I rank here? What kind of schools can I get into? Mm -hmm. And that's part of the process. It just plays out in a very public way. And, and you know what? The reason why I brought up the topic was, A, sometimes because I believe you're in Syracuse and you're talking about a Syracuse player, um, the, 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 uh, um, the perception of it was that I said I thought he was foolish for doing it. I didn't say that. I just said I don't think he's going to go. And so I, I fully get why he's going to test the waters. He wants to get a barometer. Is that setting something up for next year? Is there a crack in the door? Listen, I said a few things today that, you know, I look at other been in the system 20 years people and they go, are you kidding me? I said, no, I would consider trading LeBron James for Zion. I would consider it to see what I would consider it. I don't think LeBron has more than two or three left in the gas tank. Now, this one really rocked him. I said, you don't know about the foot. But Zion is absolutely at six seven in between player. He's not a guard, and he's he's a small forward. So, but he's very physical. About is Bowl Bowl a better draft pick than Zion Williams? And I thought, you know what? Hang on a second. The potential upside of what could happen between the two of them at seven foot two, and he looks like a Keem Elijah one right now. I mean, 
absolutely somebody who's going to be an outstanding NBA player and, and really dominate is Bo Bo, in my opinion. So, yeah. When I saw him opinion. in the garden this year, I said, if that guy's not a lottery pick, I don't know what one that, looks that's like. That's exactly my feeling. And so, yeah. so I don't know the extent of the foot thing, but he's 19, and he is not playing for Duke and is not his season. He's had a half a season of college basketball. That guy is going to be a perennial NBA All-Star for 10 years. Zion, you're saying. Or Bull. Bull. Yeah. Bull I think, that, I think they both will. I, I have changed my opinion on Zion, and, and I will uh, point this out. If if my original opinion turned out to be right, I'm going to come back and own it. When I first saw him in high school, I think this guy's he's a little uh, zoftic, I believe is the word. Uh, he's going to have a weight issue. Right. And he's done a nice job where that has not been a problem for him. He, he's a bully, 670 bullies people. He, he's Charles and, Barkley. And right. And hopefully that continues and he has a tremendous career. I think if he doesn't, it's going to be because of that tweener. Who, who does he guard on the perimeter? Right. And when he gets in among the big boys, well, now they're 6'10 and up. And uh, Bull Bull's another guy. He's so skilled at his size. Um, oh I think he's a, a can't miss. But and a lot of can't miss guys have missed before. And here's the thing, too just human nature, and this is a good thing to end it on. Zion's going to be the number one pick because everybody can put their head on the pillow at night going, hey, look, everybody knew this guy was the best high school player, that he was the best college player, he's a brand, a huge sneaker deal. I'm going to go to bed with that pick. If you go out of the box and you decide you're picking an injured bowl bowl, you're picking John Morant, you're picking uh, R.J. Barrett or somebody else, then your neck is out there as a general manager and owner in a way that makes people uncomfortable. Oh, I definitely agree. I think Zion's going to go one. Um, I don't think that you can take the chance because he's more of a guaranteed entity, especially coming off an injury. We don't know. that That's a, that's a surgery. A screw's going in the foot. We've seen Bowie and different guys, you know, and people sustain these things, and then it happens to the other leg. We don't know. The guy might never play again. That's happened before. So, All right. Good stuff, my friend. Uh, continued success to you. Maybe win more awards and untold riches. Got to ask one more question. Yeah. Got to ask one more My turn to ask the, yes. the, the guru himself. I don't know about that. All right. What's so it, the, you're wrapping it up here. I heard you say reference to August when, when you come back and you get ready for football, I suppose, is what the barometer of that is. What does it look like for you in the you know May, June, and July? Hopefully, the golf course. Are you just uh, out there stroking it? Oh, Way well, no, playing golf. Steady. Is a different way. <laughs> <laughs> different way to, um, you know, last year I didn't have a ton going on in the summer, and I kind of got at the end and go, "Well, what did you accomplish? Did you get caught?" Up? And I really didn't. So I'm going to try to be ambitious here in the next few weeks and get some clutter put away and get organized and that, that type of oh, thing, like and then that. be ready to. Before you know it, it's time to to dive in. But we got the spring game coming up. We got the Cuse Awards, which are at the End of April, we got a couple of uh, West got a West Coast swing with Coach Babers and John Wildhack, and a bunch of different uh, experiences like that. So we'll we'll get those things put to bed in uh, June and July. Hopefully, uh, play a lot of golf. So we'll get out there and do that. Are with you a tournament you like. guy? Are you are you in you know uh, Bayheim's tournament and these other tournaments? Are I we, have from we time to time played those. Team? Uh, that'd be great. I like that. I yeah, like that. I've uh, I've pretty much I uh, don't turn down uh, golf invites. So uh, I like it. I'm going to mark can that, make that in my that calendar. All right, my friend. Well, uh, good luck to you, and I appreciate the time today. Enjoy the the rest of the tournament, which is exciting, and the weekend, okay? God bless you, bro. That's uh, Daniel Baldwin of the Daniel Baldwin Show. More to come. We'll wrap the show in just a moment. Brought to you by CH Insurance and Burdick Lexus. This is In the Booth on ESPN Radio. Do we care? Interesting. I doubt it. No, wait. The other thing. Tedious. But we will do this segment anyway. Don't care anymore. Don't care no more. All right, Matt. So I know... In one of the first couple months of the show, we talked about Duke versus the Cleveland Cavaliers. 
One of the hypotheticals we talked about. So I figured, why not go full circle on the last day of the show? And Get Up had another hypothetical today involving Duke and Tim Kirchin's family. If we were to set up a basketball game, this I guess came up once upon a time with you on cold pizza with Duke against a very unique team, what would be the circumstances? Well, this is my family, my two brothers who are great athletes, my parents who are in their 90s, the Kirchin family against Duke. We have a 40-point lead with two minutes to go. Can we hold the lead? I've done the math on this. Zion guards the inbounds. We're never getting the ball inbounds. If we ever do, they steal it immediately. Throw it to Zion. He dunks it. The math says they score every five seconds. That's 48 points. Our family loses by eight. That's how I see this. Am I right or am I wrong? What do you think, I think if your mom packed the paint, your mom and dad <laughs> stayed underneath and didn't right. guard Trey Jones and maybe a Jordan Goldwire at the end of the game. Right. Mate, what kind of rebounder is your mom? It's all about strategy, Timmy. It's My mom strategy. told me the other day, I cannot beat Trey Jones off the dribble. So, <laughs> so I think right, that really confident. puts us in a lot you of trouble. You would be guarding Zion. No, am I correct? I'm not no. guarding anyone. You're we're not, and with the clock stopping, we were doing this in NBA-wise, there's no way that we can win. I, I think you, I don't know, I think you may win. I think you have, you yourself have the height advantage in the, in the paint. Just make sure your mom doesn't try to take a charge <laughs> from Zion. Right. We'll never get it inbounds. My two brothers were great college baseball players. They can throw a long pass, but Zion's not going to let him do that. Somebody's going to intercept. It's going to be 48 points in two minutes. I will take the Kirchens and yes. the under in yes. that one. I will too. Okay. So I'm with uh, Mike Greenberg. I'm taking the Kirkton's on this, and we'll lay it out like this. First of all, Tim is a tremendous person. Uh, Met Tim a couple times. Great writer. uh, Super energy. Good guy. His uh, son was a a student here at uh, Syracuse, was actually out of the orange uh, for a time, and has gone on to be a very successful uh, DJ. Tim is a pretty good player, basketball player. He is we though he's exceptionally he's a small human being five four yeah he's like five, really yeah, tiny yeah five yeah five four five five and when I first heard that his family I'm thinking well is that him and his wife and Jeff and that there's a daughter uh, okay what he was talking about here is him two brothers who he's saying if he's claiming they were I've never met the brothers never seen the brothers they were college baseball players they weren't college baseball players at five. Five. Not that that's impossible, but it's not likely. And if they were good ones, let's go ahead and round them up a little bit to say they're a little bigger, more athletic. Then he's talking about their parents, which obviously are not going to be a factor in a game like this. I, they're gonna. You could hold on to a forty-point lead in two minutes for a couple reasons. He did say they're using NBA rules, which means the clock stops after every basket, so that lengthens it as much as possible. But if you have two brothers who are good college baseball players, by his definition. They absolutely can get the ball in bounds and play keep away, and I'm the first person when all these ridiculous comparisons come up about, you know, could, in Daniel Baldwin even can I hit a fastball? Can I do? You have no idea how good top of the line athletes are, and obviously Zion is one of those. But it's not like he would never, you know, literally never let you get the ball in in 40 tries. What are you talking about? Or in this case, be 20 some odd uh, possessions. You could get the ball in. You could keep it away long enough to dwindle the clock. It might be ugly. It might be get close to if he was just talking about, you know, intercepting every inbound pass and dunking it, but that takes more time. Four minutes, I wouldn't be so certain, but two minutes, the uh, the Kirkchens would hang on. What's the number in two minutes? 
30 points? I don't know. I, I suppose, yeah. I suppose probably? he could basically could be steals and layups as fast as you can do them. I mean, there would be – and maybe five seconds on average is, is too long. In some cases, you could, you know, immediately take the inbound pass or tip it to the right person and, and lay it in. But it wouldn't take much to – if you were trying to beat that, all you got to do is throw the ball the length of the floor. Even if you threw it out of bounds at the other end, you're taking time off the clock. So or rolled it, you know. There's a uh, different things that you could potentially do if you're. It'd be really hard to blow a 40 point lead in two minutes. Matt, you mentioned Tim Kirchin's son being Otto. Yes, my roommate of senior year was actually Otto. I was friends with him for all four years. Had no idea until probably two months left in school. Is that right? No idea. You wondered where he was during the games. He, yeah, he was always gone during games. We had no idea why. He, uh, yeah, he was. It was. It yeah, was they're strange. pretty fit. Vigilant about yeah. uh, keeping their identity until the last moment. Very much so. Cool, it, yeah. it was crazy. Very good friends of them, and I had no idea. Okay. Also, uh, opening day yesterday, Bryce Harper, he was already booed in his first game as a Philadelphia Philly. went 0 for 3 with two strikeouts and a walk. It's kind a of a, a baptism uh, by Philly fans that's on brand for them. I think it's uh, well known by now that uh, Bryce Harper came out in uh, Philly fanatic spikes and is playing the whole thing up. I, I don't blame Bryce for doing that. I, I could see where people say, well, it's trying too hard or it's over the top. I think it shows he's all in. His whole point here was I want to go somewhere and embrace it. I want to recruit other free agents to where we're playing, especially now in light of the fact that we know he's not getting Mike Trout. He he wants to own it and he wants to be Mr. Philly. I just, as somebody who enjoyed watching him play for the Nationals, my brother lives in D.C. as a Nationals fan. He could have been doing this all along in D.C. He could be six years onto a a 15, 20-year run uh, with the Nats. Uh, it didn't really work out there. He wanted to go somewhere and and uh, be in with both feet. And so that's what he's trying. I don't blame him for it. The booing, you know, to me is stupid, but that's what Philly's known for, and that's kind of their thing. So uh, why would they stop now? Yankee fans would do the same thing. They, they kind of did well, with Giancarlo Stanton. Yeah, right. He homered in his first at bat and then yeah. went quiet from there and, you Two know, five strikeout games. I, I've never been one to be a big uh, booer of people. They're they're uh, they're trying as hard as they can. One game in, obviously, is ridiculous. But I would hope there was some level of sarcasm or, or understanding that that's what was uh, going on yesterday. I did uh, see with some interest. It was very cool that uh, Andrew McCutcheon hit a home run in that game. One of the other many newcomers uh, with the Phillies, Jacob Degrom, after that uh, contract extension. Uh, pitched a gem yesterday uh, for the Mets against the Nats in a, a shutout. So there are a lot of uh, interesting performances on opening day. Paulie's Padres got the opening day win. Fernando Tatis Jr. Yeah. had two hits as well. They did, yeah. They're playing the Giants, right? Yep. Padres, Giants. Yep, Bumgarner. Dodgers uh, had, what, eight home runs? Broke uh, the record for most home runs on opening day. Jock Peterson, the uh, son of, of all-time Syracuse Chiefs great Stu Peterson, uh, had a big day yesterday. Three, yeah. three multi- uh, he three extra base hits. He had two home two runs. Two home runs, and yep. yeah, must have had another double or triple. And last but not least, uh, another baseball story. Per the Athletics, Mark Carrick, MLB awards a championship belt to the owner whose team achieves the goals set by, quote, the goals set by the industry during the arbitration process, which in other words is uh, the team that did the most to keep salaries down in arbitration. Yeah, that's uh, really bad for that to get out uh, for the owners, and I started reading that story uh, first thing this morning. It's a bad look. It plays into what all the players think, that they're colluding. Which, by the way, could be spun a different way just to say good business. I just would keep my mouth shut about it. I mean, it, 
what it is is you got a lot of rich people. It's billionaires versus millionaires, and in this case, the billionaires. Uh, somebody's always going to win, and they're kind of patting each other on the the back for that. So, all right, that's the end of the uh, show for the season. Thank you, boys, for uh, pitching in here today, and always appreciate your help day in and day out. We thank our sponsors and listeners and all those uh, fine folks. We're not going too far, and we'll talk to you uh, when we do the show again, if we do the show again, whenever that may be. See you, Polly. This is ESPN Radio.